Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. When I think about where we're at in the Bible, um, some of you already know that we've been going through the Bible through the entire year. Uh, I think of certain things from my past. Some of you might recognize this. Some of you might have no idea what this is. Uh, this is an autograph book. This is actually my fourth grade autograph book. Uh, back then when I was in school, when you used to use rocks to write things, I'm just joking. Like, it wasn't that far ago. I'm pretty young still. No, no, no. Um, when I was back in, in, in school in fourth grade, at the end of the school year, this book, look, it's falling apart. Uh, I... I keep a lot of things at home. Um, my wife makes fun of me and is always trying to get me to throw out things. Um, I'm a little bit of hoar- a hoarder when it comes to things like this, like memory things. I love to keep them. Here it says Carlos Cedeno. It was written by my dad. I could tell by the handwriting. It says June 24th, 1986. So 1986 uh, there. And then inside there's notes that different students wrote, like just trying to, uh, at the end of the school year, to remember. One girl, she was so mean to me. She put, put, you are too ugly to be forgotten. I was like, yo. And you know, when I went home, when I went home, I was like excited to see like what the kids wrote. I was like, yeah, saw my friend. What? Like, I was like, you're so mean. And then some of my other friends, I used to play soccer a lot when I was little. So he's like, you're a soccer star. You know, little did they know I became one. No, I'm just kidding. I did not become a soccer star. But, um, but even here, like I see Mrs. Grant, this is my teacher. She just put good luck, m- much success uh, in your fifth grade. Continue to do well. So, so here, these are notes. And you figure kids don't do this now. They'll text each other. <laughs> like, you know, there's no real reason to write notes. Um, I also found this. This is a letter uh, written by Jennifer, my wife. Um, she wrote this while she was in Ghana. She went to Ghana for three months when she was about 19 years old to help out in Ghana. And she wrote me a letter. So I found this letter. Uh, in the back, it says, I love you. He said, te quiero mucho. No, no, it says, I love you. No, no, te quiero mucho. It would have said it in Portuguese. Um, te quiero mucho. Uh, I'm not, I got to work on my Portuguese. Married 20 years, I'm still struggling a little bit. I just know how to ask for food. Eu tenho fome, cabrito fazão, entre costa pequedinho camarão. That's it. So, um, so this is, this, is, this is the letter from her, pretty much just telling me like what she did, uh, what, what, what was happening in Ghana. And something that's interesting, even in the back, um, she, she just wrote too, I'm having a good time. The kids here are awesome. They run after you, asking for your address, longing to be your pen pal. Longing to be your pen pal. This is, uh, she put, it's so cute. And... Um, and that's it. I'm not going to read all the lovey-dovey stuff, how she misses me and stuff. But, but here she clearly was mentioning of how longing to be a pen pal. Uh, it's imagine from, it's even at this moment, like Jen, she's actually in Germany at this very moment. Um, and she's in Germany and Portugal with her mom. Her mom just finished running a marathon this morning, about 20 minutes ago, just finished running it. She's 70 years old and just ran 26.2 miles. Um, I cannot run from here to the courthouse. Uh, you know, I, I can't. I'll probably stop halfway to the dollar store, get something to drink to give me the energy, to a Red Bull to get to the place. But she's in Germany and Portugal, and uh, she's going to go to Portugal. Uh, do you think she's going to write me one of these letters while she's gone? 
Oh, she's not going to write me one of these letters. She's going to text me. She's going to call me. She might FaceTime me. Like, she'll WhatsApp me. But letters like this, this is like, this is like an antique relic. Like, you know, like this, this you don't really see too much. And obviously now we're talking about letters in the Bible. If you will look through the place where I keep a lot of my letters, you might find a couple letters that Jen wrote. Um, but the reality is you won't probably find all of the letters that she wrote. And in the same way in the Bible, in the same way, like we know that there's First and Second Corinthians, but I just want to let you know that there were more letters than that writ- written to the Corinthians church. And what's really cool is that that letter wasn't just meant for the Corinthian church. It was meant for every single person that's here right now, all of us. And we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. Just want to let you know a little bit about Sosthenes. Uh, we don't know much about him. Uh, all we know that in um, Acts chapter 18, that name pops up again. We're not 100% sure if it's the same one. But in chapter 18 in Acts, he opposed Paul. He was against Paul. And then all of a sudden here, Paul is writing, if it's the same Sosthenes, which most likely it is, he's pretty much acknowledging he's my brother now, like kind of like the work of the Lord type of thing of him being with him in the ministry journeys. Verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Holy means to be separate, set apart for the things of God. Now, this, this is where we come in, all right? Ready? <clears throat> Together with all those everywhere, including Elizabeth, New Jersey, okay, who call on the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ and their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So how cool is that? You're at church this morning, and we're going to open up a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote back then, meaning not just for the church of Corinth, but for every person that's sitting here this morning too. I don't know about you, but that would make me very happy to know. If if the Apostle Paul would show up right now, be like, hey, I would love to share with you. I'm like, let me step down real quick. I'll, I'll sit real quick, let the Apostle Paul give the teaching. I want you to envision as we dive into the, the first and second Corinthians, that um, the chapters that Paul himself is speaking to you, of course, God through him. Let me give you a couple quick facts about um, these letters. Type of book, it's a letter, it's epistle, sim- um, very similar, of course, to um, what I showed you with Jen, but it would be in a format of a scroll. Uh, uh, chapters, 1 Corinthians had 16, 2 Corinthians has 13 chapters. Date written, 1 Corinthians 53 AD, um, 55 AD for 2 Corinthians. Letters were meant to be read. I know that that was already um, highlighted. Pastor Debbie highlighted that uh, when she taught last. Um, Author was Paul, and he wrote this from Ephesus because after Paul um, founded and started a church, he, his goal was to start churches other locations. So as he would hear things, he would write letters back to it. So I know that that slide is behind me. Normally, I would give you a breakdown of the chapter summaries, but I decided to do it a little bit different here. I'm going to give you some facts about the city of Corinth. Now, I want you to picture, like, if I would give you facts about the city of Elizabeth, uh, there's certain things you would be able to say about the city of Elizabeth. Uh, like, like, you know, we, we could easily come up with certain things. If someone tells you, what could you tell me about Elizabeth? They would, you would be able to let them know. This is some facts about Corinth. It's a port city. We're a port city too. Uh, trade routes. There's a lot of trade routes. And um, also it's a very wealthy city. Very wealthy city. It's an economic center they estimate between 300 to 600,000 people were there in Corinth. Many temples and many false gods. So there's a lot of temples around, many false gods that they would worship. Entertainment was a very big thing. 
They would have athletic competitions, very similar to the Olympics. They would have it there. And just, just think of like the Apostle Paul, a lot of the verses, like he ties in a lot of things that have to do with running and running the race. And just in general, because that culture back in the day, they would love the Olympics. They would love the athletic games. Prostitution was rampant through that city. Uh, one of the main gods was pretty much the god of love. And every single day, over a thousand prostitutes would go through the streets of the city um, just doing their work. Drunkenness was a huge thing, just reckless living, even to the point that Corinth got the reputation that afterwards, like if a play was happening or a skit or something, and they needed a character that stood for like immorality, uh, just delving uh, into sexual sin and drunkenness and everything like that. It was a phrase and it was known, give me someone like a Corinthian. Give me someone like a Corinthian, someone um, like from Corinth to play this part. And some of you are actors here. Some of you know how the show is and there's different parts. So for generations afterwards, whenever that role had to be filled, it was a known phrase, give me someone like from Corinth. So just for you to get an idea of the reckless thing that they had. They had everything except one thing. They didn't have a church before Paul got there. Now, something I want to let you know, First and Second Corinthians was written to the church, church members that were going there. This, this wasn't targeted to unbelievers. This wasn't targeted to those don't, that don't know God. This is for church members, and if you're a church member, you're, you're a church, you're here, and you believe in Jesus, this is for you. Now, there were major issues with the church back then, and, and in a second, I'm going to highlight those issues in a second. Uh, so many times, sometimes I hear people say, it's like, you know, I want our church to be like a first century church. You know, like, I'm fire for God. This is a first century church. Uh, I don't want to be a church like this. Uh, like this, just to uh, let you know, and, and, and to put it in, in perspective too, of course, there's no such thing as a perfect church. There isn't. As long as we're here, we're human, <laughs> you know, like, and of course, we're all striving to give God glory and honor. But here you would, you would see that there's some major issues that Paul addresses. Um, and we definitely want to make sure that we don't fall in any way, shape, or form along with the Church of Corinth. Here are some major issues. It's going to be behind me, the slide. Uh, there was a lot of cliques, slandering, gossiping, even to a point they were suing one another uh, uh, a lot of times. Sexual immorality, incest. There's actually Bible uh, verses that are talking about that in the letter. Sleeping with one another, not being married. Uh, prostitutes. And just keep in mind too, Jesus said, if you just think lustfully, think lustfully is as if you committed the sins. Here he's highlighting the actual sins. And of course, Jesus took it to a deeper level in your heart and mind, not to maintain a pure heart and mind, not to even have the thought of something sexual in that way. Discussions on marriage, divorce, and singleness, concerns, problems, and you could hear it from Paul from all those uh, standpoints. Demeaning other Christians. This is the church. Demeaning other Christians, depending if, if you're a Jew or a Gentile, social rank, rich or poor. That doesn't happen today, right? That doesn't happen today. We, we don't think more superior than other people depending on like what country we're from, right? Whether we're a citizen or we're, whether we're not, whether we, we live in uh, Elmora or whether we live downtown. We don't, we, don't, we don't think that we actually might be a little, whether we're a Republican or a Democrat or whether we, 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 or we get caught up in all these different things, do we actually think we're superior to anyone else? Because this is a huge problem in the church of Corinth. 
Huge problem. All of a sudden, social ranking, even to the point that the poor Christians were marginalized. They would have communion, and a practice they would have is to gather and to share a meal. And if you come and you're poor and you don't have food, you won't be sitting with us. We'll have communion. In the name of Jesus, we're going to disown you and marginalize you and pretend that you don't belong. We don't do that to anyone else, do we? We don't act that way. I know so many times, if I would say, has anyone ever done that to you? Like you could easily say, yeah, yeah, it's happened to me. But it's hard for us to see when we're doing it to other people. So here, here, this is a, a big thing that was happening. Pride, feeling superior. They like pretty much here, you'll see in the letters that Paul addresses certain people thinking that they were superior because of their spiritual gift. Because of what they were doing for God, they were superior. So we know that no matter what you do, you could greet, clean the bathrooms, you could be in the back, you could be cutting crafts uh, upstairs like Ilionette. All those positions are just as important as me speaking in front of all of you or PH or another worship leader on stage. Everything is equal because we're one body. Like what, what would you do without your foot or your hand and if you don't have your head, forget about it. So, ya, ya te moriste. Like, you know what I mean? We need each other. And that's something you see Paul address. Um, a, a big thing, too, was discrediting talking negative about the Apostle Paul. We wouldn't even think about that. But they were playing Paul out in Corinth. He, he said he's boring, he can't teach, comparing him to other people, saying this person's more eloquent than the Apostle Paul, pretty much criticizing and bashing the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. But yet, they thought it was fine to discredit him, being greedy instead of being generous, choosing to argue instead of loving one another. Sometimes people just love to argue. Some people love to debate. Some people like to get caught up in straight up nonsense. Nonsense. In the scheme of things, you get caught up in nonsense. You break relationships, break bridges, make people question your walk with God because they're like, is this person even a Christian thinking this way or treating me this way? You know, all of a sudden here, because we choose to argue instead of loving one another. And then this is the big thing. I know I highlighted some of, some of them there, but the Apostle Paul um, was getting reports that not only was the church doing this, the church, I just want to emphasize that, the church, not only they were going around saying that they could do it because they're forgiven. They were going, going around, Jesus forgives me for my sins. There's freedom and liberty in God. I'm able to pretty much do what I want, but yet I could come to God for forgiveness. So they pretty much were living in the world, doing whatever they choose. I'm going to give you a little timeline of the letters. Now, something to realize how I told you, we really don't know how many letters were there. We don't. Nobody knows. And if someone tells you that they know, just uh, pray for them because they're just going too much into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we really don't know. Like, you know, like we, we assume th these are things. The same thing how I told you. If you go to my house and you look through my letters, you might think you found like six letters to Jen or whatever or from Jen. There might be like two others I have in my drawer that you never saw. No one really knows. But here we know uh, a couple things. Number one is this. First year and a half, 18 months. Uh, the Apostle Paul was in Corinth. We see that in Acts chapter 18. You can read that for yourself. Then he moved on to start other churches. Number two, step number two, Paul received bad reports about the church. He was getting messages. It wasn't text messages. It wasn't FaceTime. It wasn't WhatsApp. He was getting letters, pretty much saying, and messages probably verbally, letting him know what was happening in Corinth. Um, step number three, Paul sent a previous letter. A previous letter. So, for example, 1 Corinthians is not the first letter. It's definitely at least the second letter, you could say. It's not the first, because in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul acknowledges that there was a previous letter. 
like what I said at the, in the other letter. So we don't have that letter. We have 1 Corinthians. And then 2 Corinthians is the third letter. And I'm just going to drop this here. There's a theory, which I think is really interesting. Obviously, we don't know 100%, only God knows. But I do believe it's very interesting. And you could read it for yourself and see. There's a theory that 2 Corinthians is chapters 10 to, I mean, the third letter is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to 13. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 through 9 is actually a fourth letter. When you read 2 Corinthians, it, it like shifts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, technically, if you're writing a whole letter, you feel the flow of the letter. Like here, like there's, there's a big shift that happens. Um, the tone changes. Like it's, it, it's a change. So people believe, scholars, people that research this all the time, that they merged it and made it into 2 Corinthians. But that's something you could read. You could read it um, and see. And at one point, the Apostle Paul actually visited them. We're not 100% sure between what letter and stuff that the Apostle Paul went back to visit. But he calls this in Scripture, it was a painful visit. It was a painful visit. It wasn't fun. He went there to take care of business. And who knows overall, like, you know, like everything that happened. The main point, usually in teachings, you have like three or four main points or five main points. I just have one main point for today. It's going to be behind you. The main point is don't be like the Church of Corinth. That's it. All right, the count three, say it all together. One, two, three. Don't be like the Church of Corinth. If you forget everything I said today, just remember that. Don't be like the Church of Corinth, okay? That's, that's something you got to remember. All right, key verses. Normally, we have one key verse, but what I decided to do was a little different. I'm going to highlight five verses from 1 Corinthians and five verses from 2 Corinthians. They're short verses. But now knowing what Corinth, what was happening in Corinth, I want you to get a sense and a feel of what, how the Apostle Paul is addressing it and reaching out to the church with this, okay? So get a, get a sense of what he says. And even before we start, I just want everyone to bow their heads. I actually, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as we read these verses as well. So with every head bow, every eye closed, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Amen. So we will start addressing something I want to say. There's a lot of verses, of course, in these letters. I'm just highlighting a few. Uh, addressing unity, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there um, be no divisions among you, but that you would be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, some of us might think it's like, how can we perfectly be united in mind and thought? We all have different opinions or different things. This is because Paul is focusing on the main thing, Jesus. It's like, be on the same page of what unites us, and then don't get caught up in the drama that divides us. Like, you know, and then here he makes it clear, be united, agree with one another, when it comes to God, the gospel, and doing God's work, be on the same page, okay? Temptations, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. No temptation. Some of these verses I know are some of your favorites or you've read them before. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. So that's a key verse that many of us have read before. And here, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church members about temptation, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, about loving one another. And we know 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a love chapter. Uh, we know that this is a popular 
popular passage of love that it's read in a lot of weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. I'm not going to read all those verses, but then I'm going to highlight a key one. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Remember how I told you that in Corinth, in the church, they were like comparing each other, feeling superior because of their gifts and their talents and who they were, their titles and positions and stuff like that. He's like, you know what? You could have all the titles in the world. You could have all the gifts all of the world. You could sing like an angel. But if you don't love, if you don't love your brothers, and let me tell you, when I say love, I'm talking about loving people that can't do nothing for you. It's easy for you to love people that love you back. It's easy for you to love people that will do things for you. It's easy for you to love people that you get along with. What about loving people that are your enemies? Loving people that hate you, people that can't stand you, people that put obstacles in your way, people that treat you bad. Loving those that don't deserve it, those that have sinned against you, hurt you, damaged you, but yet in the midst of everything, because of what God's done in your life, you forgive them and you still choose to love. Doesn't matter your spiritual gifts. He's not saying that spiritual gifts are not important. He's just saying you could have them, but if you don't have love, it is as if you have nothing. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, it says this. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. This is to the church, guys, okay? I know I've said that a couple times. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that... And that is what some of you were, kind of saying, hey, there should be a change here. This is what what some of you were, and also acknowledging that some of you are still it, still practicing in those sins in-house. And then it says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the the Spirit of our God. Now, something I want to highlight is the fact that this is pretty much hate. Like Paul is saying, you should know better. Like you're following God. He's giving a little pow pow. He's like, you know, like here, it's like surrender your heart to God. Let God transform you. But you know what? The church quickly turns scriptures like this. The apostle Paul is talking to the church here, but we take this and we preach this, let's say to the world, throwing stones to the world throwing stones, saying, it's like, look, look at you. Look at your sin. Look at what you're doing. God doesn't like that. And let me tell you, I, sometimes I, I see it many times publicly, and I've heard so many Christians say this, that. That's the approach that they take, that they take towards the world. Last time I checked, and I mean, you could correct me, but I, I have a feeling that when God led you to him, he didn't throw stones at you. I have a feeling that when you didn't know about God, what led you to God was his love. How you don't deserve it, and he loves you, and he died on the cross. It's in the back. So used to being there, I was like, the cross? You have to put the cross back on you. So, so it's like we get, you know, but, the, but Christians are so quick to pick up stones. And you know what? In John chapter 8, I remember the time where the adulterous woman got caught. All the religious Christians, you could say, the leaders were ready, hey, let's stone her. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was, you know, he that doesn't have sin, throw the first stone. And all of a sudden, all the stones came down. Jesus just said, go and sin no more. Prima saying, don't live in a lifestyle of sin anymore but he didn't throw stones at her. So I have a question. How come as Christians, many times Christians throw stones at those that don't know God? That Bible verse is for believers. 
And I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. I'm just saying, if you really want to win them for God, it's through love. If you want to follow the example of Jesus, it's through love. So put down your rocks if you have any in your pocket. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. And we'll stop there. So here, again, highlighting, think of what I told you about Corinth, how pretty much is, is the goddess of love is what's worshiped there. Prostitution, incest, sexual immorality, no conviction to want to honor God. And then all of a sudden, Paul is saying, flee from sexual immorality. But as Christians, so many times we entertain it, we accept it, we tolerate it, we come up with excuses saying, well, God understands. Here, I I think it's pretty clear for the church, it says to flee from sexual immorality. And, And we know that the Holy Spirit is living within us. So those are the five key verses from 1 Corinthians. Now I'm going to highlight the five key verses of 2 Corinthians. This is a verse that so many of you know, you've probably said it, you quoted it, and you probably love this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The Apostle Paul was just telling the church of Corinth, it's like, hey, when you, if you're really in Christ, all of a sudden he's making you into a new creation. The old ways that you used to do things, it has to leave. There's a transformation that God is doing, but you have to be willing to be a part of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? A lot of times this verse is highlighted in relationships and stuff, but in reality, it's, it's in our whole life. Like if there's major things in our lives, you have to be careful who you link up with, who you are yoked together with. Um, pretty much it's what they would use for the cows, that wooden thing uh, that would hold the two cows so that it could plow in a straight line. Don't be stuck with someone that doesn't know the truth. If you're a believer and you're, you're in a relationship, you should be in a relationship with another believer. If, if you, it's not, if, you, if you're with an unbeliever, you're pretty much going to be trying to walk in the same direction, but at the same time, both of you have different hearts and motives, and you'll be pulling each other two different ways. So you, we have to be careful in, in that aspect. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for uh, the things done while in the body, whether good and bad. So right there, the Apostle Paul wants to make everyone realize, hey, Christians, one day, and that day is coming for every single one of us, one day we will stand before God, and you have to give account. So here he's, he's trying to make the, uh, the church of Corinth be like, hey, it's not, you don't live however way you want. There's consequences with the way that you live, and one day you will give account. And then here, just two more verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything. Can everyone say everything? That contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness. Remember, holiness is learning to be separate from the world and dedicated only to God out of reverence for God. So right there, everything that contaminates body and spirit. Sometimes people get caught up, should you do something or should you not do anything? Like, you know, when it, like little decisions. Should I go to a movie? Should I not go to a movie? It's like, you know, what does God want? What does God uh, doesn't want? This and that. There, I think that's a great verse. If you feel like it's contaminating you, making you more like the world, 
leading you away from God, keeping you away from that transformation, you cut it out of your life. You cut it out of your life. If it's leading you farther away from God instead of closer to God, you cut it out of your life. Out of your life 100%. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, um, do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. I, I, I love the Apostle Paul, too, because, like, you know what I mean? He, he has a little, like, salsa in him, a little uh, picante, in, you know, in the way he's approaching it. Like, he's like, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So if the Apostle Paul would be here right now looking at all of us, it's like, hey, the Apostle Paul would say, you know what? I'm not impressed if you tell me that you're a Christian. I'm not impressed if you, you could quote Bible verses. I'm not impressed if you've known God for 50 years. No, no, no. I want you to take a moment to examine yourself, how he said, to see whether you are in the faith. Are you in the faith? And then it says to test yourselves. And then in the end, it says, unless, of course, you fail the test. He's pretty much saying, don't just think you're going to pass this test because if you're not in the faith, you could easily fail the test and not be following God. So right there, those, those are the key verses. Five from the first Corinthian letter, um, five from the second. But I wanted you to see the sense of the Apostle Paul, the things he was trying to correct the division, the sexual immorality, just the, the feeling of um, being superior of their spiritual gifts. There were so many things that were, he was trying to address. Now, to switch things a little bit, I want to talk about my experiences when I go shopping a little bit, when I go to stores. Uh, I know all of us have experienced this in one way or another, but I know that in stores, sometimes I've seen images like this, when we get the first one up, Abita's. When I all of a sudden, I'm trying to shop for Adidas. What's up? What is Adidas? Like, you know, and I've seen Adidas before, sometimes in New York, in certain areas in New York. And sometimes if you go into other countries, like I've been in other countries that all of a sudden it's like, you know, they don't have Adidas. They have Adidas. So, or the next one, uh, crust. Um, not to say anything, but if you're brushing your teeth with crust toothpaste, your teeth might be a little crusty, but uh, that's a whole separate thing. But crust, um, you know, they're trying to make it to crust, but uh, all of a sudden it's crust. Anybody? Crust? No, no, no. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. All right, next. Instead of Oreos, Neos. Neo. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are sitting there be like, you know what, Pastor Carlos, I like the imitation stuff. I like some of those imitation cookies are actually pretty good. So Neos instead of Oreo. What's the next one? Berrios. Berrios. Berrios instead of Cheerios. Um, All right, next. Fruity hoops in front of Fruit Loops or or Fruity Pebbles there. And now, wait, before you put the next one, this this one, I have to say, this one's going to be like a little test. This is going to be a little test because I have a feeling that I know the answer to this, but this is the next one. If you go to Walgreens and you see this, I have a feeling that every person will get vaporub, vaporub all day, vapor rub all day. You won't get that imitation stuff for this because this, you know, we know God is holy, but we know in certain places they have temples for Vaparup. Uh, people be worshiping Vaparup. Yo, when I was little, no matter what was wrong with me, my mom would give me Vaparup. I have a headache, Vaparup on my head. My ear hurts, Vaparup. My stomach hurts. What is that Vaparup going to do in my stomach? Vaparup in the stomach. My foot hurts, Vaparup. My knee hurts, Vaparup. My throat hurts. All of a sudden, I get a tablespoon of Vaparup. No, no, she didn't take it that far, but some of you do that. I said that, I said the same thing in the Spanish service, and a couple of people laughed, be like, I do that, I've eaten vaparup. And I have a feeling there's someone, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play them out, but there, I have a feeling someone in this room has eaten vaparup before. You know who you are, I'm gonna stay quiet, I'm gonna behave myself. But all right, how many of you, if you're in Walgreens, how many of you would buy the imitation vaparup? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you would get the real vaparup? 
All right. Now, some of you are like, you know what, Carlos, it depends on how much cheaper it is, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's $3 cheaper, you know, I might still live afterwards. I might as well give it a shot. So something that we need to realize, and of course, this was uh, just highlighting imitation. Um, I just want to let you know there's a lot of fake Christians out there. There might be fake Christians in this room right now. You know, it's just the truth. Uh, a lot of imitation Christians, simply because the word Christian has been watered down so much through time and through the world um, as well. And what it is, is just like in the church of Corinth, uh, the worldly views, the worldly culture, everything that's happening outside infiltrated the church and people just accepted it. People just counted it normal. The culture, the values, the wisdom of the world, even the politics of this world. Like the reality is that sometimes we're more caught up with what the world is saying than what God is saying. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little uh, transparent here because here, looking at the church of Corinth, the, I'm going to highlight a couple of things. One is division. Division was a big thing, clicks, slandering, gossiping, suing one another, um, and, and all that. And I'm going to be very transparent. The last two years, I think that the church in America has failed in many ways the last two years. Am I, like, I'm going to be very transparent just because I believe that the church of America has tuned their ears more to the news to videos on social media, videos on, on what other people are saying, pretty much just overall what the world is saying. What the world is saying, instead of having their ears to, tuned to the Bible. You know what I mean? So what ends up happening, clicks, slandering, gossiping, and all of that. When you think about the nonsense, pretty much, debates and arguments and relationships broken and testimonies ruined and pretty much really the Jesus not getting a good picture when it comes to the church, debating and arguing mass or no mass, vaccine or no vaccine, or uh, indoors or outdoors, or when should this happen? When should that happen? Or overall, like when it comes to politics, the Republicans, the Democrats and stuff like that, all of that drama, honestly, to me, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. I'm not saying that there's no legitimate points to consider all I'm talking about is the drama around those points. The relationships broken around those points. Pretty much the, the witness of Jesus that has been broken uh, with those points. Because the last I checked, our main, main responsibility is to glorify God and to reach people for Jesus. It's not to convince you to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. It's not for me to convince you to get a vaccine or not to get a vaccine. That's honestly, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But, and I'm not going to get into that drama, but all of a sudden, if you start telling me Jesus is in Lord, I'll step into that drama because that's worth me arguing for and defending the fact that Jesus is Lord. If you're going to tell me we should be reaching out to a loss out of love, not throwing stones, I'll step into that discussion because that is the truth. Those are things that we need to be concerned about. Let me tell you something, anything, anything that you focus on and give your devotion on, it's really worship. And there's a lot of idols that we've created in the church of Corinth. They had their temples and idols, but let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians that have created idols in their lives. And really sometimes we do it in the name of Jesus. And I have news for people. You better examine your hearts and motives. Another big thing is sexual immorality. So many times in the church, like, we think it's okay. I don't think it's okay. Like, you know, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, but God, these are the worst things that people say. Well, God understands. We're, we're, we're eventually going to get married. God, God doesn't see anything wrong with it. Just read what we just read. It was addressed to the church. Um, all of a sudden, uh, demeaning other Christians. That happens a lot of times in the church. Just because someone is not from this country, 
just because they're not from the same country you are, just because your bank account might be a little lower than someone else's, just because your bank account might be a little greater than someone else's, just because of your color of your skin, just because of the car you drive, the title you have, the position you have, you are not greater than anyone else. You're not greater. I'm not greater. We're all in the same boat. We've all fallen short. We are all in need of a savior. We're all in need of Jesus. The moment you think you're greater than anyone else, honestly, the only thing that's getting inflated is your pride. You're being prideful. And if we're, now, if we're honest with ourselves, our actions speak louder than words. When we step into our rooms, are we more quick to give our opinion than anything else? Like, you know, like we, we don't really value other people sometimes. And that's something we have to be careful of. Now, pride, thinking that, we mentioned that before, chasing positions, whatever it is, discrediting, discrediting other leaders in the church of Corinth, talking about the apostle Paul. Let me tell you, like, here in this church, we do everything we can to do everything we can to honor and glorify God. Is this church perfect? No, of course, there's no perfect church. As long as we're all in this church, it's not perfect because we're all imperfect. There's only one perfect person, that's Jesus. If you find the perfect church, let me know uh, because the moment you step into it, it becomes unperfect, uh, imperfect, because you're not perfect, and you stepped into an imperfect church. And I actually think it's amusing when I see people or hear people that say, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go church, uh, uh, finding a better church or church hopping or whatever it is. You're never going to find a perfect church. Never going to. And the reality is, the reality is, is it, it's interesting. When I read that, it highlighted to me how people criticize the Apostle Paul. Like, here in the church, we have to be united. And mind you, we're always open for anyone to give recommendations, suggestions to advance God's kingdom. But the reality is, if there is constant criticism of things, how it could be better, and constant complaining, constant pointing fingers, constant this, I have news for you. The problem is not the church. The, the reality is the problem is you. If that is all you could do is come up with a list of things constantly and not being willing to be part of the solution and part of the answer. I used to have something, I'm going to bring this back too. Back in the day, I, I used to have something that when people came up to me with a problem that they saw in the church, I didn't want them to come up with me with a problem without them thinking first of solutions. So this was the assignment. You come with me with a problem, you have to come ready with three solutions, three options that I could consider that could solve the problem that you're complaining about. But a lot of times people just like to complain because you know how it is. People like to complain. So um, am I being too transparent today? That's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I like to be transparent. All right. Being greedy instead of generous. Um, choosing to argue instead of loving one another. I'm just saying the things I said about the Corinth church. So this, this is the thing. No argument over any topic that doesn't have to do about Jesus and winning the loss in the Bible is worth me losing a relationship over. I don't care what the argument is. I don't care what the argument is. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And unity is more important. So here... How I said, people came up with excuses, compromise, settling, uh, pretty much, um, they, and they did all of this in Jesus' name. And so, sometimes I joke around about this too, is that sometimes we do this, it's like, and I see it, it's, it's like the gossiping sometimes. It's, we, we tell people, it's like, this, this, is, this is what's happening. So this is what's happening in someone's life. And we do it in Jesus' name. Because we go up to him and be like, yo, did you hear this? This is hot off the press. It's like all of a sudden this, esto está caliente, esto es fuego. You know, it's like this is hot, hot, hot off the press, this and that. But keep them in prayer. Pray for them. Put them in the prayer uh, so they can pray for them on Monday morning or what it is. It's like we have to be careful not to be one of these, like these members in the church of Corinth. I know when I taught about the book of Acts, Jesus walked on the earth for how many days after he resurrected? 
40 days he walked, and there was one main theme he talked about. 40 days. Think about if we just talk 40 days, the same theme, like a, a teaching for 40 days. Every day you gather, it's the same exact thing, morning, afternoon, and evening, same theme. That's what Jesus did for 40 days. What was the theme? Does anyone know? I did mention it, the kingdom of God, okay? The kingdom of God. So Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. And one of the main places we could look at this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And, and I just want to keep, I just want to bring to your recollection too, that when the Holy Spirit was poured down to the believers, it was for a purpose for them to be, it starts with a W, witnesses, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, this is Jesus speaking, it says this, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit, what that means is people that recognize the spiritual need of God. When you recognize that, hey, you're lost without God. I'm lost without God. I need God more than the next breath I'm going to breathe. If I don't have God in my life, I can't take one more step. You know, when you recognize how poor in spirit you are and how much you need of God, that is being poor in spirit. Then Jesus said, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it continues, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, here a lot of times when we see this, we automatically think it's like anyone that mourns. Someone just passed away. Uh, you know, God said, blessed are you that mourn. You know, you'll be comforted. It's not, it's not that. If you look at the original meaning, there's deeper meaning, meanings and implication. It means mourning over your sin and repentance. Mourning over your sin, your repentance. You'll be comforted. It even means there to be encouraged. So when you come to God and you mourn over your sin and you realize that you're, you have sin in your life, God will encourage you and he, he's going to comfort you in that way. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, the humble. Now, as we are going through this, I just want you to think of the church of Corinth. They were all the opposites of this. They weren't poor in spirit. They weren't mourning for their sin. They weren't humble. They thought that they were better than other people. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Has there ever, like here, all of us, has God has ever shown mercy in your life before? Why is it hard for us to show mercy to other people when they don't deserve it? Like, you know, we don't, we don't deserve God's mercy, but yet when, we when God tells us to love uh, others the same way we love ourselves, we have a difficult time. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. The pure in spirit will see God. Think of the church of Corinth being purified, examining your heart, testing your heart, making sure that there's no sin, not entertainment of sin, so that you would be able to see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The church of Corinth, they weren't peacemakers. They were causing division. Here Jesus saying, look, those that strive to make peace in relationship, build bridges, show love, and put aside the drama, put aside everything else that might cause division and just bring people together Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Number 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, as you do these things, not everyone is going to say nice things or comment, 
there will be some type of persecution. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 13, you're all the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And there, Jesus saying, it's like, you know, like in the same way, let your light shine before others. He just highlighted all the ways to do that. He just highlighted all the way to do that. So if everyone could bow their heads even now, I want you to think of your life and where you are now because the truth is, this is a time period of repentance. If there's any aspect of the church of Corinth that slipped into the church of Elizabeth, you could say, that needs to be corrected. That needs to be changed. That needs to be brought to God. What's amazing is that God loves us and leads us to repentance. God draws us to a place of transformation, but he wants us to be willing. He wants you to open your heart and mind and soul and be willing for the transformation, transformation to take place. Do you look like Jesus or do you look more like the world? What would your family say, your coworkers? Have we let the world influence us and how we act, behave in the different areas of our lives? Do we accept and value and tolerate the things that the world um, says and does more than what the Bible tells us? And the Bible tells us it's clear it's wrong. Are we quick to forgive and show mercy the way that God has shown us mercy and how God has forgiven us? Or are we quick to judge? Are we quick to tear down? Are we quick to marginalize other people? Or are we quick to feel superior to others? Do we choose love rather than want to win an argument? Do we cause division? Have we been the source of causing any type of division in this church or among any person? Do we, are, we, are we critical? Do we gossip about other people, about leaders? Do you entertain sin and think it's okay? I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Earlier you prayed and you asked the Holy Spirit to speak. He's speaking to you even at this moment. How I said before, none of us are perfect. And if you're here today and you just know that there has to be that transformation in your life, no matter how small it is or big it is, God wants your heart to be completely surrendered to him. Not 85 is not good enough. 85% is not good enough. 90% is not good enough. 95% is not good enough. It's all of your heart, all of your life. So if you're willing to surrender in repentance to God, I just want you to stand to your feet at this moment. Whatever it is in the message that touched your heart, whatever it is in the message that might have grabbed your attention, and if you know that there's just certain things in your life that you need to surrender and bring to God, I just want you to stand to your feet. Remember, there was only one point in today's message do not be like the church of Corinth, going through our, the motions, pretending that everything is okay, going to church, gathering in homes, talking about Jesus, but letting our lives being drawn away by the world. Father God, right now we're gathered before you as a family. And we just ask you for forgiveness, God. Forgive us for every sin in our heart, mind, and soul, God, everything that we've entertained within us that's not of you. 
Forgive us for accepting what the world says is okay, even though we know through Scripture it's not okay. We've listened more to the voices of the world than we've amplified what the world says more than you. Forgive us, God. God, forgive us, God, for all the compromises that we've done, everything that we've allowed to do that we shouldn't have, God. We just surrender everything to you even at this moment. And God, we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is living within us. We pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't grieve your spirit, God, but that we would live following after you like never before. May today be a day where we're drawing a line on the sand and choosing not to look back, realizing that we're a new creation in you and the old ways really has to leave and make way for the new way. God, I just pray for every person that's here, even as they raise their hands and surrender. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would fill them, God, that you would fill them to the overflowing, God, strengthen them, encourage them, that they would know that you're walking with them in this life and that you will give them victory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Love you mucho. Abrazo. Have a great night. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.